One of the things we super focus on is having as much as uptime in our customer's office. So if a compressor goes down, we need to get there as quickly as possible and get that office back up. So we measure different aspects of NPS, not too much, right? Because you can't over-survey. I'd love to over-survey, but just specific points through that customer journey map. In the world of business finance, things change fast. Welcome to the Leaders of Modern Finance, a show where today's finance innovators discuss what the future holds. Learn from experts in the field as they explore emerging finance trends, insights, and more. This episode is brought to you by Stamply, the leading accounts payable automation platform. With Stamply, collaborate easily and efficiently with invoice approvers, vendors, and anyone involved with purchases. This helps you quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5x faster approvals. Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at stamply.com. Thank you for joining us today on the Leaders of Modern Finance podcast. My name is Ben Murray, and I would like to welcome Karen Fryer, CFO of Banco Dental. Great to have you here, Karen. Great to be here, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. I'm truly excited to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. So why don't we kick this off? Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're working, and a little bit about your career background. I spent my whole entire career at Banco Dental all within our finance organization, basically have worked from intern to CFO, we like to say is the the magic story behind it. So I have worked in various roles within uh, the organization with various degrees of responsibility and really made my track through the FP&A team. I've been very fortunate to be in an organization that's thriving and investing in our industry and our customers and our organizations. And I've had great opportunities to really see the organization through tremendous growth. When I started nearly 20 years ago, We had a few hundred associates, we're up to 1,500 associates today, and we've seen our revenue grow over 500%, and it's been quite a journey. A little bit more about Benko Dental. I've talked to a lot of people in the the SaaS tech space, but what is Benko Dental exactly? Benko is a national independent distributor of dental supplies, equipment, and consulting services. So we provide everything that a dentist office may need and or want to run efficient practices and support the, the patient at the end of the day. So we always start these talking a little shop, a little finance and accounting shop. So I'd love to hear now as you're in the CFO role there. So tell us a little bit about your team structure. So what major departments report up to you in, in that CFO structure? And, and tell us a little bit about the team size of those departments. Awesome. So I have a great team reporting into me. I'm sure all the CFOs say that. So Our team is very diverse with a broad uh, level of experience. In total, our finance team is roughly 65 individuals, and reporting directly into me is four direct reports. So my team is structured mainly with treasury, core accounting and tax, and FP&A. So the team is just very fun to be around. They're very engaging, dedicated. They challenge each other, and they challenge me. And they're ever they're adaptable to the ever-changing environment. So when you really look at the team structure, When I really look at Treasury, that team is really super focused on managing our balance sheet. Rolling up through that team is our accounts payable team, our accounts receivable, also customer credit and all banking relationships rolls up to that team. Our accounting team is really focused on compliance. So closing our books, working with our auditors, um, doing sales tax compliance, working with our tax partners and completing our, our tax returns. And both of those teams are super focused on efficiency. So how do we drive automation within our processes? And that team, as well as all the teams within finance, really has looked at RPA as a tool to drive efficiency, either through automation of reconcilements or various other processes. 
And then there's FP&A team. So that team is responsible for partnering with the business. Data is everywhere these days. So how does that team really get in front of the business, helping them to do investment analysis, building budgets, forecasts, reporting, and really sitting at the seat with the senior executive team and really crafting where we're going. Okay, that's great. Thanks for that breakdown. Now, roughly, so you said about 65 staff, four direct reports. Roughly, what are those team sizes? Say treasury, controllership, and FP&A. So our treasury team is probably about 15 people deep. Um, I'm probably not going to get these numbers exactly right. But roughly, we really, yeah. I'd say about 15 people deep. Our core accounting team, 15 or 20. So it's a good question to put me on the spot. Our core accounting team is probably 10 deep, and then the rest is through data and analytics and FP&A. Okay. Okay. Thanks. And interesting, you mentioned RPA. So I assume that rope robotic process automation on the controllership side. So tell yes. us, we're, we'll go a little bit off track. We'll talk about the tech stack, which I assume kind of ties into that, but tell me a little bit more about this RPA initiative. RPA is not that new in the organization. So about two years ago, our control act, a controller had actually gone out to a conference and came back and said, we really need to look at RPA as driving efficiency within our business. So she really spearheaded that with our IT team. And we selected a, project, a product, Automation Anywhere, where we actually look across the business and how do we take mundane tasks that are very repetitive and automate it through bots. Mm-hmm. So our IT team has really centralized that governance, worked across not just in finance, but in our supply chain, as well as our customer contact center and operations of really looking at different efficiencies of how do we help the team within the organization work and really focus on value-added activities where we can automate processes that are just really keystrokes at the end of the day. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And you said the software was automation anywhere? Was that the RPA? Yep. Yep. Okay. That's the RPA tool we use. Okay. Well, great. And then tell us a little bit about, obviously, in the CFO function, a lot of presentations to the board, quarterly meetings, maybe annual meetings. So tell us a little bit about the numbers that are important to you to drive the business forward that I assume are also relevant to, to the board. Yes, very relevant to the board. So actually monthly meetings. So our board is very mm-hmm. engaging within our organization. They're strong, they're diverse, they play a critical uh, a critical role in helping craft our strategy growth and diversification. So we actually have four quarterly meetings with that team and monthly check-ins. So during COVID, we actually kicked up the rigor to get more feedback from that team. And we've kept with that as we came out of the pandemic. So we're a very metric-driven organization. We're a very data-driven organization. And at the top, we manage five KPIs that we watch monthly, if not daily. And we report those out to the board in addition to some deeper level balance sheet metrics that ensures we're investing and growing and diversifying the business for our shareholders. Mm-hmm. Our standard metrics, you know, are driving revenue, market share growth, and EBITDA. So those are just table sticks. So are we growing within the market? Are we becoming more profitable? And are we really capturing our share that is due to us as well as growing those shares? Outside of those three core metrics, I would say are more important metrics that we watch, innovation index, customer satisfaction, and associate satisfaction. So as an organization, we focus heavily on innovation and driving dentistry forward and really bringing new products and new services to dentists and their customers and their patients on improving healthcare within the whole dental industry. So we measure innovation index, which is a rolling three-year metric of looking at new product sales over total revenue to say, are we actually not just introducing products into the market, into the industry, but are we actually selling them? 
Are dentists using them? And are they actually making a difference in the day-to-day -day life of our customers as well as the patients that they serve? And then the two other metrics that I say are more important, mm -hmm. more than financials, and I shouldn't be saying this as a CFO, is customer satisfaction and associate satisfaction. So if you don't have happy customers or happy associates, you're not going to really deliver the outcomes that you're looking for. So we were the first in our industry to monitor and report customer satisfaction using the Net Promoter Score, which is the world's leading customer loyalty measure. And we just ended the first quarter over our goal with a world-class score of 72. And we really like to understand that and deep mind it and really look at how do we continue to improve that customer experience. For associates, we do the same. So we do various different touch points, not too many, but enough to really get underneath and understand how are we performing with our associates and through the pandemic, we knew we were winning because we've reached all-time highs on those surveys. And we hit our highest score, again, coming out of the pandemic. And it's something that we pay a lot of close attention to, to make sure we're watching, measuring, and being agile around continuing to improve those scores. Okay. So some great stuff in there. <clears throat> Let me repeat some of that stuff. Sure. Four quarterly meetings, plus you have monthly meetings. So in those monthly board meetings, any specific fo focus? Is it just like a couple things, always finance, sales maybe? Or, or what, what's the focus of those monthly meetings? That'd be a little different than your quarterly board meetings. They're quick hits. So on a monthly basis, so we close around day five of the month. And then around day seven, we send out our initial flash reports, which that will go out to the board. And those quick hit one month, uh, I mean, one hour check-ins are really a little bit deeper of what's going on in the month. So they're really agile in what two or three slides you're bringing forward, what's going on in the business, what's the forecast, to really help the board stay actively engaged instead of if you're only involved on a quarterly basis, there's only so much information you could get. So we found it very helpful to do a quick hit on the financials. And then there's really ad hoc topics. Are we looking at an M&A deal? Are we looking at diversifying part of our business? Is there an underperforming area that we need to bring in one of my peers to talk through the team? So I'd say half of it's really financial and half of it's ad hoc, depending on the topic of the day. Okay. And then I have to dig into this. And I think you you maybe created your own index, what you said, your the innovation index. Mm -hmm. And that's, from the notes I took, it sounds like new product revenue that you released divided by total revenue over, some, I guess, some period of time. And that's how you're measuring maybe your in innovation progress, is that right? That's right. So we actually borrowed it from one of our vendors. So I believe it's 3M where they actually measure that as well. So are they innovating in the market? So it's a rolling three-year trend to really look at new products as new products launch and the sell-through of those new products over total revenue. And we like to keep that around 20%. We've actually pushed that up a little bit through the pandemic, it's around 25, 30%. Just with a lot of industries these days, we had to be very agile and really look at products of how COVID really impacted the dental office and how are we bringing new products to help serve our customers. That's awesome. I love that, the innovation index. So that's really interesting. I think for, especially for all those finance leaders listening out there. And then one last thing in this area. So MPS score, great score is 72. And when you measure CSAT, do you measure different customer profiles? I mean, is it the dentist? Is it the office manager? Like who does that CSAT or that MPS survey go out to? It really goes out to the office and it could be a variety of different people in the office actually filling out those surveys. We really bifurcated out based on CUSTEG. 
So we have different customer segments on independent practices versus national dental chains. And then we actually also split it out even furthermore based on just, are we good at getting the normal stuff, pickpacking and shipping? That's We're a distributor, that's table stakes, right? So we have to make sure that's just solid. But then we also look at when customers really invest in their practice and are investing heavily in capital equipment and technology, there's a survey that we go out from there. And then also from a service standpoint. So one of the things we super focus on is having as much as uptime in our customer's office. So if a compressor goes down, we need to get there as quickly as possible and get that office back up. So we measure different aspects of NPS, not too much, right? Because you can't over-survey. I'd love to over-survey, but just Mm -hmm. specific points through through that customer journey map. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that additional detail. Yeah. Because it's a lot, MPS seems simple, but there's so many different ways that you can use that survey. So now one thing that it sounds like is very important, you have RPA using that. So tell us a little bit about your tech stack in the finance and accounting area. What are some of those key software uh, systems that are, that you're using in your tech stack right now? That's a great question. So our tech stack, like every company these days, is very fluid. Most notably, we're on a path of digital transformation and currently undergoing a multi-year upgrade of our ERP system. As the ERP system touches every associate, every vendor, every customer we deal with. I'm actually co-sponsoring that with our CIO. So we're looking at very much as a business-first project and not a tech project. We went live last summer with our HR and expense platforms. We're looking at, instead of a big bang, a multi-year approach. Finance goes later, goes live later this year and later on the order in the warehouse. And really that journey is moving us to a cloud-based system that will enable us to deliver new capabilities into the market on a very quick time frame. There's different stacks within finance that we really focus on. One tool that is heavily used throughout the organization is Click. So it's is used for BI dashboards. So up until this last year, um, a lot of the dashboard reporting and data engineering was rolling up to finance. We're going through a little mini reorganization of moving some of that core discipline back to IT. But we heavily use Click through the organization to really get data in the hands of the users so we can continue to drive better business decisions um, utilizing that data. Okay. And then say in the accounting area, it sounds like you're in the process of moving ERP. So where are you going to as far as your ERP solution in accounting? We selected Infor. So we are using Infor M3's package. Okay. Okay. And then what about on the FP&A side, budgeting, forecasting, reporting, so important and making that efficient in in an organization of your size. So what are the tools that that FP&A is using right now? So we currently use SAP's budgeting planning system, and we are moving that to Enforce. We are moving to their DEPM suite, where we'll do our financial reporting, budgeting, forecasting out of that system. So we are at SAP House for that and moving over to Enforce. Okay. And then the typical, we all love Excel, so we use Excel. We heavily yeah. data mine within Click and SQL. So there's other ancillary tools outside yep. of that the team heavily uses as well. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's good stuff. And then it's that you said you just moved, maybe you said HR, and then did you say expense management systems, like expense reporting, things like that? Yep. Or Okay. Yep. And what, what about on the, yeah, the expense reporting size? Do you have a new solution in place for that? So Infor as well. So Infor we were in a Workday well. okay. shop. So we were Workday for HR and our expense platform, and we moved that to Infor. So there's okay. specific systems outside of Infor that we've chosen where we need to do it 
Durfundry, if I can say that word, sure. in the market. And they're ancillary outside of the ERP. So some of our field services, so I talked about where we do NPX scores on, are we delivering value on the field service and getting customers? There's a solution that will be outside of Infor that we're also mm -hmm. looking at. So we looked at a very enterprise architecture of where do we need to deliver value? And those solutions will be outside of the Infor system. Okay, great. And you said, so you're on this path to digital transformation, well into it, it sounds like, and maybe it never stops. But when is this major push uh, going to complete? be complete? Not soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> These projects are not definitely for the faint of heart. But right now, our, our approach is around 2024, I would say the beginning part of that is when the last phase will go live. Okay. And just curious, when did this kick off, this transformation? So it kicked off pre-COVID. So it actually okay. kicked off a couple of years before that. We did a, a really great job as an organization. And again, I spent time with our CIO and many different business leaders within the organization. Our roadmap really started by doing an enterprise architecture of really understanding what systems and tools do we have today, what capabilities um, make us different in the market. And how does that all roll up to what does the digital transformation look like? So we started that journey probably two years pre-COVID. We selected in for COVID then came. We put a big pause on it. And then we escalated out of COVID of really getting back on the path of transforming our business. Okay, that's great. But yeah, a multi-year multi digital transformation project. Yeah. Yeah, the good stuff. So moving on to your career, you've been at Benko and you mentioned from the intern to CFO path, which is fantastic. So you, can you tell us a little bit about that journey over, I think, 20 years or so, starting in, as an intern and tell us a little bit what departments did you move through and just tell us generally, like, how did that work moving from intern to CFO? Sure. So my internship and a lot of my early careers at Benko was spending lots and lots of times in spreadsheets. And during that time, I had a lot of great mentors. So my first role out of the internship was moving to our core accounting team, where I spent time closing the books, working with our auditors, really getting a grasp of the business model. So how does Benko operate? And you get a lot of that details by really closing the books, because you have to understand from cradle to grave, how does transactions get through the system? So from there, I moved into our FPA team, where, was where I spent most of my career really developing my business acumen, spent time building the company budget, putting into place discipline around forecasting, worked on first some of my tech projects. So I talked about we were on an SAP house. We had a solution before that. And then that's where I really got an opportunity to step away from the spreadsheets and get into the strategy meetings, meeting with key business leaders, helping them to deliver and understand what drives our financial success and our financial roadmap. From there, I stepped into some of my first leadership roles, all within FP&A, and then really took my first director role, going back to a director of finance, where then I assumed responsibility back for core accounting and FP&A. Also did a lot of different projects of large investment analysis, worked side-by-side -side with our first CFO and then our second CFO, and really gained a lot of exposure to our executive team grew my own team of associates, interacted with the boards and access to various crucial relationships during that time, including our banking partners and other strategic partners. Yeah, that's quite the rise from interns. So you see a lot of paths where in finance and accounting, we move maybe for company, different roles, and you get some cross-pollination there to different thinking, leadership styles, maturity of their finance and accounting process. So 
staying within one company, any challenges with that as far as maybe skill sets that you needed to learn that weren't available internally that you had to go outside or find outside mentors to help supplement that path to CFO at Benko? It's a great question. And it's a question I get asked very often. So certainly being at one organization can provide opportunities and also challenges as you look to continue to evolve. So there's different peer groups that I belong with. So different CFOs that we meet on a very regular basis. I, I really spend time of working with my peer group. So as they come in from different organizations of sitting and just understanding and throwing things up against the wall and say, how would you have done it here? And here's how we do it here. So really get that grasp of pretending like I didn't always work at Benko at my career and really get different insight from that. So I've spent a lot of time really focusing on that and how do I get myself out there through different experiences, sitting on different even nonprofit boards or getting out to different conferences. We're a heavy user of Gartner to really get those other experiences as well. Okay. So bottom line, it sounded like just get yourself out there. You have to have that yes. initiative just to find groups that maybe you can contribute to and then vice versa where they can contribute back to you. Absolutely. And then getting back to your modernization path, we talked a lot about a lot of tech stack improvements going on at Benko. What other areas did you focus on as far as modernization? Anything beyond just technology at Benko? That's a good question. So modernization is a broad topic, but at its core, it's really how I believe how an organization continues to evolve for your customers and your associates and your vendor partners. So in addition to the tech stack that we've done, one of the things that I think about that, how our ever-evolving customer buying patterns has changed is really thinking about how we changed how we sell our equipment business. So 10, 15 years ago, we've gone from 50 satellite showrooms to three main hubs with working operatories, where customers who are looking to invest in their practice can come to these state-of-the-art showrooms, spend time walking around, talking with our team, meeting with our designers, and at times talking with our executive teams on their dreams and how Benko can help drive value. So to me, that's really modernization on meeting customer demands and really changing the way that you've done business for 90 years to how does the future look like? Okay, so it sounds like modernization, sometimes we forget, we're sometimes the CFO is so focused internally on our process, transactions, et cetera, but this was also looking outside, looking at your customers, uh, how are they buying? How can you improve their experience to make their business uh, more successful? Yep. And then also, if we think about modernization, tech stack, customer focus, and then what about your team? You have a, a large finance team, 60 plus staff on, on your team among various functions. So how do you approach investing in, I don't know if you say modernization of their skills, but investing in your team member skills to keep them moving forward, just like you're moving your tech stack forward? It's a very important topic and one that we spent a lot of time on with my direct reports. So I think it's important to call this out. So developing talent is crucial and the workforce today is hungry for advancement quickly. They want a clear path of how they will develop their skills, how it will relate to their career path and just meeting the standards is not good enough. And in addition to doing all that, we need to hit all of our other goals and company objectives. So some of the things that we've done on upskilling is dedicating resources to training. So it's easier said than done. We've set out 
training Thursdays, or we meet in a finance team once a month. So we dedicate a half hour of that meeting, just really talking about a new system or a new process or something that's going on in the business. We partner with companies such as Click, where they do a lot of training on data storytelling and data analytics that our team gets involved in. And we also, I talked about Gartner, we heavily leverage the Gartner platform to help our management team to keep the focus there. That's a very important topic. And we were actually recently showcased in Gartner for our commitment and progress on the topic. We do other things. So as we're recruiting in talent, we are looking for diverse and adaptable talent. So we push our team members to work with those new individuals, work on projects that's outside their core discipline. We put associates in stretch projects. So either a skill that they want to get involved in or knowing that they can do it, we put them in those opportunities. We even have some of our top talent really on our FPA team, working with executives, sitting on our cross-functional strategy teams, really leaning in and driving key projects forward. So it's certainly not easy. It's definitely something that's top of mind for me as we continue to look where does finance need to be today? Where does it need to be in five years from now? Where does it need to be 10 years from now? A lot of when I came out of college is just table stakes. So doing data analysis in Excel and doing VLOOKUPs was the best thing since sliced mm-hmm. bread. And that's just, you just learn that in, in high school these days. So I really think as, as finance continues to evolve, we need to continue to evolve with it. Okay. Yeah. That's how, yeah. It seems like always pushing tech forward processes and your team skills. And I always found it's like you move everything forward, you kind of plateau, regroup, and then push it forward again. So yeah, really interesting to hear about that, especially leveraging maybe software vendor training. If they have webinars, different things, if you don't have say a big budget, which a lot of times there isn't a huge training budget, but really interesting. And also the stretch projects, putting associates on things that maybe move them beyond their current skill sets. Great to hear. And I think when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that I think you were maybe one of the, the first women on the leadership team at Benko. So how how is that progression up to the leadership team at Benko and any challenges, things, experiences that you can share with our audience if they're in that similar situation? Yeah, it's a good question. So when I was promoted into the CFO position six years ago, I actually stepped onto our exec leadership team with two other women at the time. And I was actually pregnant. So there's a bond that happens um, between women in executive positions. And I felt that when we walked into that room. I was able to get into the position by hard work, dedication, challenging myself and delivering results. Benko's an amazing organization and really never had the gender challenges that you can hear at other organizations. It's really those that that are dedicated and deliver results or those that get promoted. So the traits that I developed while working there is really personal to me and I'm hoping to pass down Mm -hmm. to my daughter. So as a mother, I have an eight-year-old daughter. I think it's important she has a good career role model and understand that sky is just not the limit. So I'm energized by the, the role I have, doing my part, blazing the path to the next generation. When I was promoted, there was so many other women throughout the organization that reached out to me that I didn't really realize that the challenges they have may have faced at other organizations, that they were so proud to see women step in and into that leadership room. What I felt during that time was actually a time of, of I would say I was proud because I never felt that bias at Benko. Mm-hmm. It was actually a great journey. 
Yeah, no, that's great to hear. So, and then, and finally, as we wrap up here, we've heard about the war on talent and just hard to attract uh, employees into our organization. So do you see any challenges in your finance and accounting department? How's the market for finance and accounting talent that you're seeing right now? And, and any tips and tricks out there for finance leaders to attract and, and retain great talent? Flexibility, flexibility, flexibility. <laughs> <laughs> so it's amazing how seemingly everyone's perspective on this topic has vastly evolved over the last two, three years, including me. So the global pandemic has drastically changed the way we recruit and for the better, actually. So the biggest is that we've become very efficient in operating in the remote capacity, which opens us up to a larger geographic talent pool. We need the hybrid and remote options to be competitive in in today's world. When seismic shifts like this happen, what happened to the world over the last two years, companies need to lean in and be leaders in these movements or can be caught left behind. And I'm proud of the organization. We offer flexibility that addresses the associate needs for autonomy and the business needs for performance, but getting it right will require experimentation, pivot, experiment, pivot, but to realize really both what talent and business outcomes are. So it's not easy, but it's also opened us up to bigger opportunities and to bring in different associates onto our team. And I should have asked this in the beginning, but you mentioned remote, hybrid, flexibility, the key. Tell us about your finance and accounting org. Is it in the office, hybrid, or can you be completely remote? Because I know probably same for you and me growing up in the finance and accounting org. We sat together with our finance and accounting peers, everyone in the same office. Maybe you had a shared services location as well. But how does it work at Benko for your teams? Pre-COVID, it was absolutely in the office. Mm -hmm. So what we're all... Um, used to or experienced as we grew up through the ranks. Right now, we are completely in hybrid environment. So it's really, we are virtual first. So really, depending on the role and the outcomes that role needs to deliver will determine your place of, will you be in office or remote? And I could say for the finance team, we've been pretty much remote since the beginning of the pandemic, and we still are remote today. So we are looking to bringing and welcoming people back to the office as we all really see that COVID is getting behind us, hopefully. And we are looking to collaborate on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which we just started that and we're bringing people back. There's something about face-to-face interactions, mm-hmm. but we do realize that you be, that remote is here to stay. So one thing I have to ask here about the closed process, because before sitting next to our peers or teammates, we said, hey, how's closed growing? Is APAR closed? How are you managing that in the virtual world or any like project management software, closed software? And how do you keep track of the closed process when everyone is could be at a home office and figuring out, hey, we're day five in the close. Are we 95% there or are we 75%? We have a great team. We have two great leaders of our accounting team, our FBA team that work side-by-side virtual, albeit um, on really through that close process. We don't use software. We use the standard Excel with checklist of journal yep. entries and minus five days here and plus one day here. And they do a pre-QC probably around day three or day four where they meet virtually through a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting and really go through that results. And then depending on a hard or a soft close, if it's monthly or quarterly, we'll have various different touch points throughout that process. We haven't missed a beat. It's actually gotten better as we've navigated through COVID and really interactions between the teams. Okay. So that's good. Sounds like a similar process I had was Excel 
a spreadsheet, <laughs> all the tasks, day one, day two, yeah. you know, who's responsible, is it done? Yeah, yeah. so really interesting to keep track, even probably a little more challenging in the virtual environment now. Yeah. Uh, so really interesting. Well, appreciate your story today from intern to CFO at Benco Dental. So want to wrap up just with one piece of advice to that you'd give to all the finance leaders listening today. So I have, I would say one piece of advice, but three different tentacles. So mm-hmm. get out behind the spreadsheet and get involved in the business and develop your communication skills. So getting involved in the business means work on meeting with customers. If you're in a virtual environment, join a sales call, really listen to what the customer wants. One of the things that the senior leadership team really focuses on at Benko is getting in the car with the sales rep. So eight to 10 times a year, I'm getting in a car with one of our sales reps, really shaking hands with our customers, talking them through their journey, their challenges. And we really say that's our secret sauce to really delivering what our strategy needs to be for the next three to five years. I would say for communication, know that you're in finance and your words matter. And people have said this to me before. So your words are taken very seriously. So choose your words wisely and understand, understand that communication is the essence of a great leader. As a CFO, I'm very analytical. I love data. I love getting into spreadsheets and I can be very blunt at times. So I need to take a step back at times and really craft my message to really work with the business and help them understand my story and not just bluntly split out what I want to say. So communication is essence in working within and throughout the business. Okay. So great stuff. So it sounds like ditch the spreadsheet a couple times a year, get in that car with that sales rep, talk to customers and then communication finances, words are taken seriously. So make sure you take a step back. What kind of message are you trying to communicate to the board, third party investors, whoever it might be. So Karen, really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Great story from intern to CFO. So thanks a lot. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Modern Finance podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at stamply.com slash leaders of modern finance. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Stamply, the most powerful way to process and pay invoices. Stamply is the only accounts payable automation software that centers communication on top of the invoice so that accounts payable collaborates better with approvers, vendors, and anyone involved in purchases to quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5x faster approvals. Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at stamply.com.